You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. You know, in... Um in September of 1620, there was this ship that went from Plymouth, England to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. It was called the Mayflower. It had 102 passengers. Now, this voyage was treacherous. People on the boat, they got scurvy, they got overexposure to the sun, they got contagious diseases. It was a terrible journey. And when they landed, it got even worse, because when they landed in Massachusetts, winter had just started. And at that time, winter was terrible, and they didn't have any extra supplies. And so the people that ended up surviving until spring were only half of the 102 passengers. But those that did survive, they were able to meet this Native American tribe and this Native American tribe was able to show them how to cultivate the crops, how to catch wild animals. And from this, they were able to live. And they were not only able to survive, but they were able to thrive. They knew that they were going to have food on the table. And so what they ended up doing was have this day of remembrance, this day that they could look back and say, God, thank you for what you have done. God, thank you for allowing me to not only survive, but to thrive. And that day is called Thanksgiving. But it's much different than the way that we process or think about Thanksgiving today. Because instead of a feast, what they had was a fast. Because for the first time in their lives, for the first, or not for the first time in their lives, but the first time they got there, they were able to have the option of not eating. And so they decided right then that they would not eat, that for the entire day they would pray and they would give thanks to the Lord that they had the very option of being able to eat. What a blessing. What a blessing, God. And that is where Thanksgiving started. It was a day of remembrance. And it's a day that's coming up for us as well. You know, this psalm right here, the psalm that we read, it's about the Feast of Tabernacles. And this whole Feast of Tabernacles is a day of remembrance. It's a day of remembrance of when the Israelites were led out of Egypt and into the wilderness, where they stayed there for 40 years. In this passage, it talks about how God led them out of Egypt, led them out of slavery how he spoke in a thundercloud at Mount Sinai, how he tested them at the waters of Meribah. And this was all done in the wilderness. He says, remember what I have done for you in the wilderness. He asked them to remember, to remember, remember the wilderness. You see, this idea of wilderness is not only for the Israelites, but you can see this all throughout the New Testament. John the Baptist, when he baptizes, he asks them to come into the wilderness and I will baptize you. 
Jesus, after he is anointed by the Spirit, he it goes into the wilderness. The very first thing, his public ministry, is to go into the wilderness. The book of Hebrews is about the author telling us again and again that our lives right now is just like the Israelites, that we are in the wilderness at this moment, that we are struggling with life, that we are going through all these different things. We are being forsaken. We are, being, we are going through all these hardships. We are in the wilderness. Why would the Bible say that? Why would the Bible say that we are wandering in the wilderness? You know, when we think of the word wilderness, at least when I think of the word wilderness, I think of a forest. I think there's a very easy connection there. I think of, I don't know if you guys have seen the TV show Man vs. Wild or Survivor Man, right? Any of these survivor types of shows where they place someone in the middle of a forest and he is supposed to survive, he is supposed to work his way through, and then you see a glimpse of like the highway there too, and you're not supposed to see that, but the, you see all these different things there, and, and the, you think of a forest with vegetation, with trees, and with wildlife everywhere. That's where you think of the wilderness. But actually in the Bible, when it talks about the wilderness, it's talking about the desert. And there's one important characteristic about the desert, is that it can't sustain human life. It can't. There can be water at times that comes down, but it's not enough to be able to survive. There may be some animals that you can catch, but it's not enough for humans to survive. Humans can't survive in the desert. So how, how did the Israelites survive for 40 years in the wilderness? They survived because of God's miraculous intervention. He sent manna from heaven every single day. He provided water for them to drink. He gave a cloud a pillar. He gave a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He provided, and so they were able to survive. It was only through his intervention, it was only through his miracles that they were able to survive in a place that was unsustainable for them. They were not supposed to be able to survive in the wilderness. You see, why does the Bible say that your life right now is like the wilderness? Just like the desert is not meant to sustain human life, this world is not meant to sustain our deepest desires. This world is not meant to fulfill that longing that you have in your heart, is not meant to do those things for you. The world is never meant to be that place for you. It wasn't made to fulfill that within you. And I think that's why so many of us, we don't understand this, and that's why so many of us have such a difficult time when bad things happen. We say, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why did you let my relationship break? Why did you let these bad things happen to me? Why did you let my career go away? Why did you let me not get into that school? Why did you let me fail that test? Why did these things happen to me? And what ends up happening is that when our relationships break, we break. And when our, when our careers fall apart, we fall apart. And so we go up to God, and we think this one thought, 
And we say, God, if you just fix this one thing, God, if you're able to fix this one thing, if you're able to fix my career, if you're able just to fix my school, if you're able just to fix my marriage, my children, if you're able to fix that one thing, then I'll be happy. Then I will be fulfilled. But the Bible, it says the opposite. It says that this world here will never be able to satisfy that deep desire within your heart. It will never be able to fulfill that one thing. It was never meant to. Do you understand that? It was never meant to fulfill that longing that you have in your heart right now. Everything in this world will fall apart. You know, I, I bought a turkey a few days ago. And uh, if, I, if I put it out in my counter, right, for, it says it needs to defrost for a couple of days. So after a couple of days, it'll be fine. If I leave it out for a week, it's going to start to smell. If I leave it out for two weeks, my whole house is going to smell. If I leave it out for three weeks, it becomes a health hazard. Right? These things, you have to understand that as good as it may seem in the very beginning, as beautiful and as good and as delicious as a turkey is in the very beginning, it will rot. And everything in your life, no matter how good it is right now, no matter how precious it may seem at this moment, if it is in this world, it will one day disappear. It will one day fall apart. The perfect marriage the perfect career, that perfect school, that thing that you are longing for at the very pinnacle, at the very top of your wish list, it will fall apart. There's nothing in this world that will stay. There's nothing. And the Bible says it's not meant to because the world that you are living in, the life that you have right now, it is the wilderness. It is the wilderness. It's not meant to sustain you. And so how, how did the Israelites survive? It's because God was there. It's because God was there. And that's what it means at the end of the Psalms. It says, if you only listened to me, I would have satisfied you from the rock. Life is a wilderness. It's true. Life is difficult. It's true. But there is a rock in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 32 says, Where are your gods? Can they help you? I am the rock. There is no one besides me. And I think this is so important for us to truly understand. Because for a lot of us, when we go into the wilderness, and when we think about the difficult times in our lives, everything just falls apart. And for us, everything feels so disconnected. Everything feels like everything is just going to disappear. And so we just close our eyes and we just wait. We just wait and we endure. And we say, you know what? This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just supposed to be waiting. I'm supposed to be kind of just holding still. And then I hope that one day when I look in the future, when I open my eyes, then you know what? Then everything will be okay. But you see, here it says the wilderness is where you meet God. The wilderness is where the rock is. For Moses, he saw the burning bush in the wilderness. Elijah, in his depression and his disappointment, he heard the still small voice of God in the wilderness. 
Jesus, when he prayed to the Lord, he went to the wilderness. Even for myself, when I think in my life and I think about the most difficult times, and I think for many of us we can relate, is that, man, that, those difficult times, yes, they're hard, but those are the times when God stops being a, an abstraction and starts being real in our lives. Because it's at that moment, it's in that time that all rocks disappear, and there's only the one rock. And it's only at that one time that all wells dry up, and there's only one well that has living water. You know, Elizabeth Elliot was this missionary in the, in the 1950s, and she ended up going to Ecuador with her husband and a few other missionaries. And as she was there, they were getting ready to uh, minister to uh, this Amazonian tribe. And they were getting ready. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what to do. And so they began to pray. And the night before they were to meet this tribe, they were praying this one prayer. And she was talking to this group of people explaining this. She said, we were praying this one prayer. We said, Father, we rest in thee. You are our shield and our defender. Father, you are our shield and our defender. They just kept repeating that. They kept praying that, Father, you are our shield and our defender. They go to sleep. The next day, they meet the tribesmen. And five of those missionaries, including her husband, die. They get speared to death by them. And as she was telling this story, the story, the group of people that she was sharing this to, they, they just felt deathly quiet. And she goes, they were speared to death in the course of their obedience. What does that do to your faith? Does it demolish it? Does it destroy it? Is your faith gone from there? A faith that disintegrates is a faith that was not resting in God himself. And this is the true point of being in the wilderness. And this is where the last verse becomes so much more real in our lives. Because the last verse, it says, I will satisfy you with honey from this rock. You know, rocks, they give shade. They're able to shelter you from the heat. The rocks in the desert, they're able to sometimes hold pockets of rainwater where the other places in the desert wouldn't, so you're able to drink from there. Rocks at times, they're able to hide small animals if you need to survive. Rocks have so many good qualities to them. And yet, one thing that a rock would never be able to provide, that we would never ever think about, is providing honey. How ridiculous is that? When I was younger, I had a friend who would eat rocks. It was ridiculous. But I was curious, and so I ate one as well. It's not good. It doesn't taste good. But honey, honey is sweet. It's delicious. It's golden. 
Honey is different. It's the complete opposite of a rock. And I believe that's why God placed that in this verse. That's the reason why God paired the rock with honey. There's a reason why there's honey coming out of this rock. It's because with the rock, we think of as stoic, as we think of as just there, as brash, as just whatever. But with honey, honey is sweet. Honey is love, is, is what we call our significant other. Honey is good. That's honey. And that's what God is trying to tell us right now. That yes, we are in the wilderness. Yes, we are going through hard times. But out of the most difficult times, out of the most improbable situations, out of the most rocky of things, I am able to bring good. Out of the most difficult of times, I am able to bring something sweet. I am able to bring joy. I am able to bring goodness. That is what God is telling you today. But there is a warning there. And there's something we need to understand about this. Because when we hear this, a lot of us can think, okay, well, that means that, you know what, when, I, when I'm going through something bad and my situation is bad, that means God will bless my situation and it will turn into a good situation. You know what, if I'm struggling with finances, if I'm struggling with my marriage, if I'm struggling with these different things, you know what, God, because he's going to bring honey from that, then it will turn into a good marriage then it will turn into a good career. Then it will turn into a good family. We have this assumption that God is talking about the results of the circumstance. But that is a wrong interpretation, and that's a dangerous one to make. Because, you see, God, he doesn't change the circumstances of your life. He can. But what he's more concerned with what he thinks is, is so much more important than the circumstances, than the things in your life, is you. And so God, he may not change the circumstances, but he will change you. He will change your heart of stone into a heart of honey. He will change your heart that is like a rock and make it good and make it sweet. That is what God is able to do. When you look back in your life, what are the times when you were going through the wilderness? How have you changed from those times? When were the times when you have changed the most? It, I guarantee you it's not going to be when everything was going well. It's not in your successes. It's in your failures. It's when you realize that you are humbled. It's when you realize how weak you are. It's when you realize how weak your heart and your character is. It's in those times that you realize, man, I am so weak. I am so poor. I am so sinful. But know this, out of that situation, out of that rockiness, out of that experience in the wilderness, you'll begin to change. Out of the rock, honey, but for a lot of us, I know, one question that we have is, man, Danny, I, I, I trust this, and I believe this, and I believe this to be true, but even though I know that God is the rock, 
even though I know that that's the one thing I need to be clinging on to, that's the one thing I need to be grabbing on to, I still grab on to everything else. That I know that's what's true and I know that's what I need to go towards. I believe in, G- I believe in God that he is the one rock and yet still I lean towards everything else. I am a failure. You know, in verse 7, it talks about the waters of Meribah. And the waters of Meribah are actually talking about the situation that happened in Exodus chapter 17. When the Israelites, they are wandering around in the wilderness. And they're on the verge of death. They're dying of thirst. And so for them, they are complaining to the Lord. And it says in the the Bible, it says in the Hebrew that they are contending with God. And when it says they are contending with God, it means that they are questioning whether God is real or not. They are questioning whether he is faithful to his word or not. They are questioning whether they can trust in what he is saying or not. And so what they end up doing is say, you know what, we don't want this relationship anymore. And I think for a lot of us, when we think about a relationship, when there is no trust, then that relationship is broken. And so for the Israelites, they said, you know what, we don't want this anymore. We don't trust in this God. We don't trust in his word. We're not going to follow in what he says. And so for them, they wanted to break that relationship. So what should God do in that situation? What is God supposed to do? What is a holy God who cannot be with sin? What is he supposed to do with this group of Israelites who chose sin over him, who actively chose to break their relationship with him? What was God supposed to do? He had a choice you see. And this choice was that he told Moses to pick up his rod. And now this rod has signified many things, but one of the main things it signified was that it was a rod of judgment. It was a rod of justice. It was the rod that Moses brought into Egypt to send the plagues down. It was the rod that opened up the Red Sea. It was a rod that covered the Egyptian army and destroyed them. That was that rod. And so Moses, I'm sure, when he picked up that rod that God told him to pick up, he must have been thinking, judgment is coming down upon these Israelites. Judgment is going to come down and they will be wiped away because they chose to be away from this holy God. They chose sin over a relationship with him. But what happens? God, he tells Moses to pick up his rod, to go to the rock, and to strike it. And he says, when you strike this rock, water will flow, and you can drink. In 1 Corinthians 10, 4, Paul, he's talking about this, and he says, they passed through the sea. They drank from the rock. And that rock was Jesus Christ. Do you guys see that? That for us, we choose again and again every other rock other than God. 
we choose every other thing other than God because we know God is true, yes, but we choose sin because we love the taste of it. We enjoy sin, and so we continually say, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust in your word. I don't trust in the Bible. I'm going to choose something else. And so God, he had to make a choice. He had to make the choice of judgment because for him, a holy God cannot be with a sinful people. And instead of sending us to hell, instead of sending us away, he chose to send out his wrath and his judgment on the one true rock of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ, he took our sin. He took our burden. He took the strike that we were supposed to get struck with. And through his water, through his blood, we are now covered. And we are able to go to heaven and be with him. My brothers and sisters, God, he, he will meet you in your success. He will. God, he, he changes lives. He brings healing. He is able to do infinitely more than we can ever imagine. He is able to do that. But he also meets you in your failures. He meets you in your wilderness. He meets you in your hardest of times. He is that one true rock. And he will not disappear Everything else in this world will disappear. I guarantee you that. If you have gone through any type of suffering, you'll know that too. There's nothing in this world that will last. Everything in this world will disappear. But God, he will stay. He will stay with you. The wilderness, this is where your idols become so clear. Your idols become so much more real in your life. It talks in this psalm about, it says, God says, what about your forgotten gods? What about your strangers? What about those strange gods that you worship? It talks about how your idols in the wilderness, they become so much more clear. Because I think for a lot of us, when our relationships break, it devastates us. When our careers go down, it destroys us. And it hurts. But my friends, those things are supposed to hurt because those things are good. Those things are good. But are they everything to you? Are they your most important thing? Because if they are your most important thing, you have to realize that you are in the desert, that this world is not meant to sustain those things in your life. It's not meant to do that. God did not create this world to be able to do those things. You are supposed to look towards that one rock that will stay there forever. That is what you need to cling on to. That is what you need to hold on to. There is nothing else that will sustain you. There is nothing else in this world that will fulfill the longing that is in your heart. If you hold on to anything else, it will fall apart. It will. So look into your life right now. Look into what you're going through at this moment. What are your idols? What are your gods? What are the rocks in your life? 
Don't wait until the wilderness. Don't wait until the desert comes around for you to see where your rocks are. See it now and go to the Lord and ask for repentance. And then we can go to God and say, God, you are so good. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for doing this for us. God, thank you for all that you have done. Let's pray. The one thing that we can do right now is pray. There's nothing else for us at this moment. This is between you and God alone. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the struggles. I don't know the rocks in your life. No one else here knows except you and except God. So go before the Lord. Confess the things that are holding you back from clinging onto the rock because you are in the wilderness at this moment. You are in the desert. And until you realize that there is nothing in this world that can support you, that can sustain you, you will always cling to those rocks and they will always disappoint you. And so right now, let us go before the Lord and let us cry out to him. Let's cry out to the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray.